Uh, good evening, guys, and welcome to a brand new week and a brand new podcast on if, In Off The Bar. You're joined by me, Cam Chill, and my other host, Nick. How's it going, mate? Yeah, all good, Cam, mate. Good to see you. Good to see you, boys. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, we've also got a veteran to uh, the, the podcast, <laughs> uh, and he's rejoining us again from Cornwall. It's Josh. Uh, how are you doing, Josh? You all right? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me back, guys. And uh, it's, it's good to join you again uh, on another episode of this one. You made such an impression, Josh, to open up the uh, new podcast. Uh, we got you back. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, it's good to come back and, you know, talk to you guys about relevant topics in football. And, you know, on, on a week like this one, it's uh, particularly prudent, I think, to get someone back who's got a strong opinion on the matter. So, For sure, for sure. And uh, you can use this as free advertisement for your uh, your podcast as well. Oh, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's good of you guys. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, I think Cameron has put a post up um, himself. But uh, I'm running my own podcast uh, channel now called the Undercard. Um, so we're a we're a podcast that focuses on uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, the UFC. Uh, we launched now two weeks ago. We're on our second episode. Uh, myself and a friend up in Cardiff uh, running that one. And it's going really well. You know, we're drawing in a good crowd and uh, and kind of previewing and reviewing events that are taking place. Um, so if it's something that interests you, pop on over to the, pop on over to the undercard and uh, we'll be happy to take you on board. Boom. Um, yeah, good. Uh, and obviously, that's, yeah, as you said, it's going really well. So, um, but going back to matters, you know, the more important matters and, and the football, um, you know, kicking us off this week, Nick, uh, we're obviously going to be chatting about the European Super League and all the drama around that because uh, Twitter definitely did offload for, for the whole week, didn't it? And uh, well, then obviously, Josh has planned a few extra questions for our halftime team talk as well. And uh, we obviously will finish with uh, our standout strikers and attackers for uh, from the Premier League this season, uh, following on from the previous weeks where we've spoken about midfielders, defenders and goalkeepers. Um, but yeah, jumping straight into uh, all that drama around uh, the, the breakaway league. Um, Nick, your initial thoughts when... Uh, when uh, the news broke during uh, the Arsenal game last weekend. Yeah, I do you know, mate, I've, I've never seen uh, Twitter so busy in the space of 48 hours. It just went <laughs> crazy. Uh, the fact that, you know, nothing was sort of really said about the sacking of Mourinho and, and Liverpool dropping points. You know, what, what a massive story. Um, but just, just the, the whole you know, commotion it caused and, you know, how it brought fans and, and everyone together to, you know, to kick it out, to, to get rid of it. Um, but yeah, just just greed from from the Yanks again, isn't Absolutely. it really? Um, unfortunately, these owners are, are ruining, trying to ruin English football really. And some of them have uh, already sort of done that. Obviously, we're finding out with Arsenal at the moment. With the Cronkies, you know, with the protests that obviously have happened recently, and uh, obviously the protest before the Chelsea game last week. Um, so yeah, not not good for football, but thankfully, um, you know, it doesn't look like it's uh, it's going to happen uh, at this stage anyway. Um, but who knows? In the future, they're they're bound to come back again, aren't they? I mean, that Florentino yeah. Perez just 
I don't know what what he's uh, what he's on. What he's smoking over there in Madrid. Don't but, um, don't get me started something, on him. Something good. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, as as a, as a fan of football, um, it was it was a massive massive um, thing that was that was put out, and obviously, as you said, Twitter was absolutely carnage for forty eight hours. But in terms of uh, the motivation, Josh, um, what what is there for these for these clubs really? Um, there, there can't be any motivation. There's, there's no competition. There's no relegation in that league. So, so how can these clubs benefit from it? Well, it all comes down to one thing, doesn't it? And that is, that is money. That is money. Yeah. And, that, and I think these owners, um, you know, and these guys in positions of power, um, you know, particularly these guys across at Madrid and Barcelona, they're using a platform where you know, we're in this crazy pandemic world uh, where we're starting to climb out of it almost. Um, and they've realised, you know, how how little gain they've made uh, on a yep. financial scale this season uh, compared to other seasons. Of course, they've still made they've still made money. And what what they're trying to do is just build a platform for themselves to line their own pockets even further um, and buy introducing this league you know and and this and this platform for these teams to to guarantee themselves x amount of money per season they're limiting what other teams and other leagues can offer um to those of a smaller scale i guess yeah no i agree with that and obviously football is about the fans and we've we've lost those fans for the last year with the pandemic and uh it's shown the game has not been the same. You know, the stadiums have obviously been empty. Uh, the crowd's not been there to witness teams doing so well. Um, and it's just a massive impact. And I think it, it, it tells that from, from the, the, the impact that it had on Twitter and all over, all over the globe in terms of what the fans and even pundits were saying about this decision. Um, absolutely terrible decision, in my, in my, in my opinion. Um, as you said, the owners, it's all they're looking to do. Uh, it, it is a business at the end of the day, but you know you need to do it in the right way, and this isn't the right way of going about it because you know you look at the best leagues in the world, which are the Premier League, you know, um, and even you, you can talk about the Spanish league being quite a competitive league with those top three teams. Um, there's always a right to be playing in these competitions, and I think you know if you win the if you win your respective league, I don't know if you guys agree with it. If you win your respective league. Um, you have a right to be playing in the best competitions, I think. And um, for example, using Leicester as, as a clear example there, they, they won the league a few years back and they deserve to play in the Champions League because they won the league, you know. Um, and, you know, the likes of, you know, I'm going to use Arsenal now. We are, yeah, we are a big club in terms of finance and stuff, but we've been, we've been down in the dark dark stages of our of our time as as a club really in the last few years, I think. And um, Nick, you can back me up here. We've We've not been great and, it's been bad for the club and the fact that we're now uh, being put into this league on merit rather than uh, on what we've achieved is, is quite bad, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, mate, I think from what, from what we're hearing is obviously Cronke was one of the main, main guys as well from the Premier he was, League yeah. behind the idea, you know, which sort of says it all. And, and since he's come to Arsenal, he's, you know, he's hardly been to any games. He's remained very quiet. You know, obviously they call him silent Stan. Um, <laughs> And, you know, you kind of, you want your own, uh, you know, there a lot of the games and, you know, having a voice as well. And, and that's what, 
with the German league where they have fans, you know, that are on the board or whatever, and the club um, is very much for the fans, you know, after the games, you know, all the players go over to the fans all the time without fail. Yeah. Um, and I think the Premier League have got to try and look to kind of, you know, follow that model really if they can. But unfortunately, you know, there's just so much more money in the Premier League and, you know, the, the Americans that have come over have, have obviously tapped into that. Um, but what was interesting with their proposal is that the league was a total dead-end league. You know, you, yeah. you couldn't go down. You're always going to be in that league, whatever happens. So, you know, for Arsenal, they could have lost every game 5-6-0 and still been in it the following year. You know, that's... That's not competition, is it? That's not sport. It's, you know, it's just a money-making scheme and was just a, was just a terrible idea. And, and an idea as well where, you know, these clubs that were put into it, you know, the, the manager, the current managers now and the players weren't told, you know, they found out when we found out, you know, there was a meeting that Arteta had, the training ground and the players, you know, an apology from, from the owner and that. Um, but they didn't know until the last minute which which is awful it's just so disrespectful oh yeah massively and obviously uh, with all three of us being being uh, fans of two teams that were involved in this it's 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 huge uh, it, well in terms yeah. of the stuff that i've seen on on twitter you know we're we're wanting our owners out josh are you exactly the same are you thinking that you know, you can't be supporting your club whilst this owner's sort of gone against the club's wishes and gone against what football is about in terms of the loyalty and, you know, it being all about the fans. Um, it, that's that's gone now, hasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, you, you're bang on there. And and you saw from the protests at Chelsea um, earlier in the week, uh, last weekend, sorry, and, and you saw how how the fans, you know, came together much like they did in the other protests for the for the United game and, and the Arsenal game. Yeah. And and you and you could really see that, you know, the owners obviously have no connection to any of those fans or anything that the club really stands for. And that in itself is such an upsetting fact, isn't it? That you know, you've got somebody mm. at the highest end of your club that just doesn't care for you or, or anyone sat in the seats. And me, and you, they... had, me and you had a chat, didn't we, Cam, actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week. Sorry to cut you off there. Fine. And um, we, we said that, you know, these guys at the very top of all these clubs, um, you know, and it's not, and it isn't just the, the clubs that have been entered in this league, you know. I think teams, you know, such as Everton, where they've got an American owner, they're going to be exactly the same mentality. I know that they've put a, put a tweet out to say, oh, um, you know, oh, we're so disappointed that teams would look to go into this. But you're telling me if Everton's owners was approached and said you're going to be in a Super League, that they were going to say no. Absolutely not a chance in hell. I don't believe that for a second. Not with um, the reported money that was flying around. They were, it was no. like $425 that they were going to receive just for accepting the invitation, let alone how much more they were going to get. You know, and, and potentially, obviously, the pandemic has created the even you know, for that even more, you know, these clubs, certainly with Arsenal as well, you know, the amount of money they've lost because of fans not being there, you know, Cronkay's rubbing his hands together, you know, thinking how much more money he can make out of Arsenal. And yeah, it's just, it's just awful, really, isn't it? Hey, don't get me wrong though. Yeah. It's all well and good thinking, thinking about the money and all of that, but 
you know, you've got to look at where, where football's come from uh, and, and the history of the, that some of these clubs have made, you know. Um, Arsenal have been around for so long, Man United over 100 years. And it's not just about the level they're at now. You know, they've, they've had to build from somewhere. And I think that the whole pyramid it w- would have changed. The whole gra- grassroots aspect would have changed of the game as well. And I, I'm a massive believer of that, like that, you know, you need some players to come through your youth academy and you need lots of players to come through your uh, through grassroots and up the, up the pyramid. As there's been quite a lot of players that have done that. But that, that would have been massively impacted wouldn't it if if um if this had gone ahead yeah this this was this was a plan for you know for for the big guys and and as we said that there was no aspect of care for those lower down um i've i i've you know i'm involved in a club now i play played for a club that's you know at the lowest level really of grassroots football and you know, we're trying to grow from the very bottom. It's a project that's been started by a guy who's got a lot of drive and ambition to to move on and and take a club up. You know, the right way. And when you see it, when you're seeing firsthand a club trying to do that, and then you just see this other end of the spectrum, you just think worlds and worlds apart. You know, there there's just no um, there's no comparison between between the levels of money in football um, that, you know, the levels of cares given by certain individuals within the game, um, you know, Neville and Carragher alluded to this as well. And you, and you said it there that it would, it would cast a huge, huge gray cloud over the grassroots game. Um, and I would hate, I would hate to see what it would do to it, you know, but this is it. And, 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 as you said, like, you know, the lower down you go, there's so much more loyalty towards the club, isn't there? And and these these owners and even people within the club, like managers and coaches, they're putting so much time and effort and money of themselves into, into making something work and into a foundation to try and build something. And if this is just getting wiped away, I, I don't see how, how it would work. Um, you know, we'll, we'll go back to, you know, the big, the, the English clubs, you know, all of them being... But a lot of them being American owners, and you know that they're, they're they're trying this this model from America, aren't they? Where a bit like the NFL, you know, that it's it's an American sport, uh, and they're pumping so much money into it, and it's all about advertisement and merchandise and all of that, and it just won't work um, on a global global aspect, in my opinion. Um, but Nick, how how do you think we can stop this? Because obviously, in regards to sort of the financial fair play side of things they've they've um they've let it slide for so long now haven't they um to the point that it's actually become very dangerous um to the game um what do you think that needs to happen to so that we can limit clubs into spending money on players well i think when you allude to that with the financial fair play mate that um you know fifa uefa whatever they've you know when that that issue with man city and psg you know where they yeah they were in trouble for it and they'd they got got away with it at the end of the day didn't they really the whole ffpp did, yeah. hasn't really you know they've not um they've not followed through with it you know from what they set out which was a you know a good idea in terms of obviously limiting teams to spending kind of what they they make you know as a club uh gate receipts etc yeah um but I think it's potentially it's going to have to be something that, like you know, the governing bodies, the uh, government, you know, will have to look at maybe in, in, in stopping these owners, you know, coming over and pumping all this money into clubs. Um, 
you know, to try and to try and limit limit it, you know, overseas owners, that sort of thing. But you know, on the other hand, and Josh, I don't know how you, you obviously feel about this. Obviously, Roman Abramovich has, has come in, you know, and um, it's kind of changed the the face of Chelsea as a club, and has obviously put Chelsea on the map, and in terms of um, competing for trophies, and and they've won a lot of trophies over the years. So, so are these owners are all the owners bad? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, actually. Um, and it, you know, obviously, and it, the American owners generally who've, who's tried to set up this, uh, yeah, this Super League, um, yeah. are obviously, you know, you look at the Glazers, the Liverpool owners, Cronkies, you know, they've, they've not, they don't have that connection really with the fans necessarily. Whereas I suppose Abramovich, you know, generally over the years has, in a way, you know, he's been, he's at quite a few of the games, isn't he? But, but are all owners bad? I don't know, just put it out yeah. there, really. No, um, no, I know. And I, <clears throat> I, th- I think you're right. I don't think they are all bad. And maybe they're bad in elements, um, in certain yeah. elements, and, and others bad in uh, bad at worse things, I guess, in, in a way. Um, and that connection thing's a really, a really big part of it, isn't it? You know, and, yeah. You know, saying about saying about these American owners and uh, commercialising and turning it into like an NFL style project, or almost, you know, they they no longer value uh, a fan as an individual, as a season ticket holder, for instance. They don't they don't care for you as a as a person like that. You know, they were looking to uproot these stadiums essentially and, and put your team playing. Uh, I don't know, in, in Abu Dhabi, for example, or, you know, anywhere, anywhere around the world. They were happy to have mm. a game somewhere else every week. Um, you yeah, know, the I, fans I'm, for these owners are just bums on seats, aren't they? This really? is it. Yeah. And, you know, as long as they're filling the gaps. And if I or you, you know, are a season ticket holder, for instance, our standard, our standard payout per year is whatever that cost of the season ticket is, you might buy the odd thing here or there at the game. But what they actually want is a new person sat in that seat every week who's going to go in the club shop and probably spend 100 to 200 pounds, uh, you know, yeah. buy stuff whilst we're at the stadium, you know, put it all over social media that they've been to the game every week. Because, you know, for me, me and you, for instance, and, and Cam, if we went to a game, yeah, we might post about it a little bit, but if we went every single week as a season to get older, you might not. Yeah. Um, you might not engage so much with the social media element. And that's obviously such a big part of the game now, isn't it? Do you, do but, you think they're trying to, um, do you think they're trying to attract the, uh, the newer generation of football fans, you know, in terms of like these, these Saudi Arabians, these uh, people from Dubai, all of those sorts of people that can generate a bit more money into it as well? I, th- I think so. Yeah. And, and, and that comes again with the, with the social media aspect and that kind of taking away uh, from the game. I think, um, go, going back to the guys on Sky Sports, I think they covered this and said, what, what's kind of happened now, uh, they may not have said this exactly, and, and quote me if I'm wrong, but what's happened now is you're, you're kind of new era of football fan almost. They don't have an attachment to the game like, uh, you know, our parents did, you know, our our mums and dads and and even older grandparents, you know, they have that kind of straight attachment to the game and, and their club. Uh, and then it filtered on down, you know, through the families and things. And you would watch a team on TV and you would be able to access that 
that on on the TV quite easily. Mm. Whereas now every single game seems to be on a paid paid subscription channel. If it's not on Sky, it's on BT Sport. If it's not on BT Sport, it's on Amazon. And obviously we got we had a fortunate period throughout the pandemic where they gave us some free football, didn't they? Um, on a couple of the different mm. streaming sites. God, how that helps. But then, but, but then, but then they went through that massive phase of trying to charge more for it. Yeah. You know, so it was almost like we'll give you a little bit, but we're going to take a heck of a lot back at, at the same time. So I mean, we, have we to got look at whether the problem really is it really yeah. is the owners, really is the owners, as as you've kind of alluded to there. Or if actually it's a combination of the owners and these massive broadcasting firms um, creating more of a problem uh, for the modern day fan to be able to access football at a good level. True. Yeah, I think it's a it's a combination of both. I think really, isn't it? It's a vicious circle a little bit. You know, obviously, was it um, Style BT were looking to charge sort of fifteen quid for a game, and it was sort of Burnley v Brighton. And, you know, the viewing, the viewers was, were not there. And, and in the end, they scrapped that idea. You know, a bit like the Super League, it, it got scrapped. It was a silly idea. Um, and, and they got rid of it. So, so yeah, they, they, need to, they need to come to some sort of uh, different sort of plan of, of how they go forward with football and, and obviously, you know, make the grassroots levels better and improve that as well. Um, give more money into put more money into the football league um, yeah. because the Premier League, you know, it's um, it's it's the best league in the world. You know, it, it doesn't need to be touched, does it? At the end of the day, it needs the fans back. That's what we've missed. But you know, just those fans back at the weekend in the yeah. uh, Tottenham Man City, you know, makes such a difference. It was great to see that. I love it, to be fair. Yeah. And the players interviewed after and Pep interviewed after, you know, all said it, you know, what a difference it makes. Well, it does. It does. Because if your team's not playing well, you can, you can stir them on a little bit, can't you? And, and the fans can do that rather than it being some video played over the, over the screen for us. It's probably a silent stadium. You can hear everything that's going on in there. Um, And I bet you, if you're losing a game of football, that's obviously happened quite a lot this season at the Emirates, for example, um, it's very silent in there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to be a loud stadium, but normally it is when we're doing well. Um, and obviously, with no fans, it's not. It's not the case. Um, hey, Whether could... it would make much of a difference at the Emirates Cam, you know, it's always <laughs> quiet anyway. But yeah, true, maybe true. they should uh, continue to use the was... uh, the fake crowd noise. I was going to use the Man City, but I was going to use Man City there, but City. everyone slates them, yeah, about them being very quiet fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I could be chatting about Super League all night, um, but what we'll do is we'll we'll leave it there for now, and obviously, if we if we if we want to touch on it in in later weeks, we can do. But um, Josh, you've set up a few questions for our little halftime snippet, so if you fire away, um, and this bit's on you, so off you go. Brilliant. Um... So yeah, I've come up on short notice uh, with a few <laughs> questions for you boys. Uh, haven't been asked. Come Love on. it. O- only uh, only yesterday. Um, Don't disappoint. No, no, that's it. I'll always I'll always be there for the boys. Um, so first of all, uh, I thought I'd be interested because over the last couple of seasons in the Premier League, we've had that team uh, that's kind of found their way into the top seven uh, into the European places. Uh, you know, you had Leicester, obviously, when they won the league. And then last season, it was Wolves, wasn't it? Um, 
And, and obviously yeah. Sheffield, Sheffield United were up there for a long time and finished around 10th or whatnot. But I just wondered who you think um, will be that team next season. Because obviously we've got West Ham this year who look like they're pretty much guaranteed to finish in the Europa League places. Um, so I just wondered who you think, either whether it's a team coming up who, who, who are looking exciting for the championship or if there's a team that's kind of got something going for them and they're not quite there, but with a couple of sign-ins, they could, they could push on into that top seven, eight kind of bracket. Well, I hope it's going to be the Arsenal, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good answer. Um, good uh, to be fair, I, I've, um, I think Norwich can have a better season than they did uh, when they last came up, just because obviously they've kept a lot of the, the players that they had. And I think they were a bit naive when they initially came up. Obviously, they've played the way that they wanted and they probably will still play that. I don't think they'll finish up, there, but I think they will do a lot better than they did. Um, I've liked Villa this season. I thought they've been, been a good side, whether they'll make the cut in the top seven I'm not sure for me it's, it's a difficult one because we have um, six very good teams in the league all of which really if they had very good sides and they would compete on you know naturally um, you know I, I would be saying maybe Everton um, and I know we look at them as like a, as, a, as kind of one like the best of the rest should we say um, but they haven't been for, for in the previous years have they and I think with a few extra signings just to strengthen their squad. Cause I think their 11 is very strong um, just to strengthen their squad. I think they could challenge again and be, be, be in there again for maybe some European football the season after. For sure. I've, I've really liked Leeds this season. And I think uh, if they could uh, have some bit more financial backing and, and be able to maybe go out and buy a few more players in the, in the summer transfer window, I think, you know, they, they could really be pushing that top eight. You know, the football that they play in the Bielsa is, is brilliant to watch. Yeah, they, you know, they may lose some games sort of four or five nil, but then they might win games, you know, five three or three one. You know, there's always entertainment value there. Maybe not last weekend with a nil nil against Manu, <laughs> but I think that was partly Manu as well, sort of sucking the life out of the game a bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, I really like Leeds. Uh, I like the look of Brentford as well, who potentially could come up next season. I think they were unlucky last season in the in the playoffs to, to not come up, but they play some really good football. Uh, got a good uh, striker in Ivan Tony up top. Um, so they've been an interesting one. And yeah, Cam, I think with, with Everton as well, I think uh, with Angelotti there, new stadium coming in the future. If, again, they can add a few real top quality players and keep, you know, the likes of Hamez and Calvert-Lewin, uh, I thought they bought well last summer. You know, Decore yep, was another good solid sign-in. Um, again, it's just been consistency with Everton, a bit, bit like Arsenal, really. You know, they've they've got a decent side, but just that consistency level, really. And defensively, you know, maybe not quite up to it yet, but you know, another team that could could push on. Yeah, I can I completely agree with you guys there, and you've and you've brought up some good points about about teams, and uh, I really like Everton. I think this season they've offered a lot. Uh, they've got a fantastic manager in Carlo Ancelotti, um, who next season could really push them on. So, you know, he's got history with Chelsea there, so that 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 will always uh, go in his favour. And then obviously with Leeds as well, um, you know we. You've, you've touched upon there that if they do some good business, I thought they did some really good business in the window just gone. 
uh, bringing in Rafinha. Um, so if they can keep hold of him, Calvin Phillips, uh, Diego Lorente as well was one. I think they got in on loan, was it? Yeah, yeah, he he's looked decent since he's, he's come back from injury. Yeah, he's yeah, uh, yeah. he may not have started too well, but he's he's definitely come on, and and you know they've they've held a few clean sheets sheets in recent week, um, which will help them moving forward as well. So uh, so yeah, some good picks there, lads. I did have uh, one more question for you. Um, so I want to know, outside of your own team, uh, so Arsenal for the two of you. What is your favourite stadium that you have visited? Ooh. And that can be for any reason, you know, that can be for the crowd, that can be for the actual stadium itself or the event that you went for. Um, go for it. Nick, you can Nick start, mate. I'd, yeah, I mean, I'd have to say um, the new Wembley, um, England game, England, uh, England, Bulgaria with a few mates and... You know, the atmosphere was just great. It's always a good atmosphere at international games and especially with England with the Barmy Army and the, the Mexican waves going round. And uh, it was a Jermaine Defoe hat-trick on that night. 4-0 win. Beers were <laughs> flowing afterwards and the chants were ringing out. <laughs> Brilliant. You, Cam? Uh, yeah, to be fair, I've been to Wembley once. Um and that wasn't to watch Cheltenham in the uh, playoff final, actually, which was surprising. Um, I went to watch uh, England versus Portugal just before Portugal lifted the European trophy. Um, and me and my other brother, Dean, were, uh, were the two going. And we, uh, we ended up sitting next to the Portuguese fans. And there was uh, no, uh, no stewards on, on duty by us for some strange reason. And uh, the fans just kept going underneath the, uh, the barrier and just celebrating and dancing and singing with uh, with the England and Portuguese fans, which was quite a funny moment. But um, going back, yeah, I mean, obviously Wembley's a lovely stadium. Um, I went to watch Soccer Aid at Old Trafford as well. And obviously Old Trafford in itself is a really nice stadium. I know I don't like Man United at all, but, you know, I have to give them some credit with their stadium. It is, it is a nice stadium. Um, and when I was at university, I also went to Aston Villa as well, um, just for a stadium tour, not to watch a game. Uh, and again, very nice stadium. So yeah, those would be my sort of couple of picks in terms of that. Um, I mean, I've yeah, also... just, um, just uh, obviously, sorry, mate, um, on sorry. a game that I've talked about before in a, in a previous podcast is um, see Chatham Town Grimsby in the playoff final. Of course, uh, at Millennium, at the Millennium yeah. Stadium. Um, yeah. You know, another great stadium. What a day that was. Uh, great atmosphere. Uh, huge win. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been. I went to that game as well, and I've been to the Millennium a couple of times, but to watch uh, the rugby instead, uh, obviously Wales. <laughs> um, and but yeah, as I was saying, I uh, I went on holiday to Madrid. Uh, I went to the Bernabeu once as well, which was a very nice stadium. Um, and I definitely would recommend anyone going to whether they go for a stadium tour or whether they go and watch a football match. The Bernabeu, if you get the chance to go there do it <laughs> yeah, I love it I'll chuck uh, question, I'll chuck I'll chuck my two pence in uh, actually ties into Villa quite well so uh, well ties into the Premier League more than anything but uh, I've been to Villa Park several times a friend of mine um, uh, who I went to school with was a big Villa fan so I'd go up with him and it was always good you know to go and see Premier League football uh, Villa Park's a really lovely stadium um, obviously the club's got good history as well so 
it was always nice to go and see an established Premier League team uh, quite close to home um, as well, which is which is good. But the best stadium I think I've ever been to was when I went, I can't believe I say this on a podcast, <laughs> uh, as a Chelsea fan, I went across to uh, Dusseldorf uh, with a friend, uh, with two friends, Chris being one of them, uh, my friend who's a Villa fan. And uh, it was West Ham's pre-season tour. Um, so my other friend, uh, Steve, is a West Ham fan. And we went across for West Ham's pre-season tour um, over in Dusseldorf. Brilliant. And uh, we went to the Belgians. I never, never thought I'd hear you say that. No, I know. Right? I can't believe <laughs> West it. West Ham as well. Yeah. But um, we went to the Valtins Arena, which was where, which was where it was held, the, the, oh, the pre-season yeah, yeah. tournament, uh, Schalke Stadium there. And it was amazing. It was so, it just, it's just so clean. Like it was just so well finished. Everything about it was just such, it's such a brilliant stadium. Proper uh, football really stadium, highly, that, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And is I that... really high, highly recommend people going to see that because it is a fantastic spectacle. Mm. Is that the stadium with the massive like uh, cameras above the centre circle? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah, is impressive. Brilliant, brilliant stadium. And, uh, you know, just down the road, actually, we walked past, we didn't go into the stadium, but you've got Fortuna Dusseldorf Stadium. Yeah. And I believe they had a second division game at the time. They'd been relegated out of the Bundesliga the season before. Um, and that's that's like a 50, 54,000 capacity stadium. Wow. And, um, you know, it's just down, just down the road. And it was packed packed for a pre-season game um you know the they germans love just love their football don't they so yeah, yeah. yeah you know any anyone who gets a chance to go to germany and watch football just do it i i loved it i thought it was brilliant and that's that's coming from a chelsea fan going to watch west Ham yeah. play football you know so <laughs> well, well one stadium in germany i'd love to go and see you know is Borussia dortmund yeah is that on the champ champions league night yellow wall amazing maybe yeah, maybe totally one day agree. when we're back in it <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, is that all the questions you had for today, Josh? Yeah, so yeah, just those two questions. Some good answers there as well, lads. So appreciate that. Cool. Um, so we'll move on to our um, our final bit for tonight's show. Um, we'll start with you, Nick. Um, and we're obviously talking on uh, about our strikers from the Premier League that have been, you know, standout players from this season. Um, who Who gets your pick and why, really? Well, staying on sort of a Leeds team, I really like Patrick Bamford this season. Um, he's come in for a lot of criticism in the past, you know, whether he would make it in the Premier League. Um, obviously, he was on Chelsea's books as a young lad and, uh, you know, he's had quite a few loan spells and, and not all of them have been successful. Um, but he's gone to Leeds and he just seems to have found another gear, really. And... Uh, you know, he's shown in the Premier League that he can score goals. Um, but it's not just his goals as well. His, his movement off the ball, his hold-up play. You know, he's led the line there really well for Leeds. And, you know, he's been really consistent. Um, and, you know, he's sort of on 14, 15 goals for the season. Um, so he's been he's been one of my picks. And uh, another one, Ollie Watkins as well from uh, Villa. Obviously, yep. he came in from, from Brentford for a lot of money. Um, you know, scored a lot of goals. 
Uh, scored a fair few this season, got an England call-up as well. Um, obviously, I think you touched on him in a previous episode, Cam. Um, you know, potentially for England, what he gives us maybe instead of, you know, some of the other strikers that didn't get a call-up, you know, that pace to be able to stretch defences. Yeah. Um, you know, good physical player as well. And obviously, you know, an eye for goal. So they would be my two, you know, top performers. Obviously, Kane has been good, but I mean, he's good every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately for us, Cam, Lacazette and Aubameyang haven't quite hit the heights of previous years, but... No, they haven't. Know, they haven't. Here's the next um, season. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, yeah, no, I agree with Bamford. Absolutely great, great season he's had. Um and obviously there was that concern that Leeds come up and they wouldn't they might struggle to score goals at the highest level. But you know, he's taken it in his own stead really and he's uh he's managed to score quite a few goals. But yeah, I I, I agree with that one. Um Josh, any anyone else you want to add? Um and I'll I'll chuck some in at the end. Uh so when I spoke to you, you kind of said uh wingers and strikers. So yeah, yeah. Mo Salah, Mo Salah obviously deserves a mention. Again, yeah, another sure. one, much, much like Kane. Uh, has been a consistent performer in the Premier League over the last few years now. Um, but he really has been the one that's kept Liverpool around those top spots, hasn't he? You know, those top four spots anyway, and given them a shot at least at, at going for it throughout the last kind of few games of the season now. Well, they've had a poor yeah. season and he's still top goal scorer, still isn't been, he? So. Still been good, yeah. yeah. yeah he's you, been do, Chelsea, you do yeah. wonder without him, don't you, where they would be? This yeah, season. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Do you wish Chelsea had kept him now all those years ago? <laughs> I get asked this a lot, actually. Him him and KDB, of course. Yeah. And um it's it's a tough one to it's a tough one to answer, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, when they were at Chelsea, you have to look at how they were performing. And both players weren't at the level they needed to be. And and both of them obviously went out and performed at other clubs uh in Europe and then come back to the Premier League and have been fantastic. You know, you don't, you just don't know, do you? If they have, they have stayed at Chelsea, they may not have got the shot. So um, I think good for both of them. And, and I think you just have Absolutely. to say, well, we made what we made on them at the time. And, and you cut your losses, I guess, don't you? And uh, it's disappointing. I'd love to say that they were both Chelsea players still, but uh, <laughs> they weren't as good at the time, should I say. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, so so for me anyway, it's um, you know Salah deserves a mention. Um, there's not been masses of strikers kind of stepping up. You see a lot of false nines played now with City, but um, I think over the last, uh, I think it was the last eight games now, uh, Kalecchi and Nacho has scored nine goals. Mm. So I think he really deserves a mention uh, for recent form at least. It's maybe not the whole season. Yeah. Um, but I think he's really uh, pushed on for Leicester in a time where Vardy struggled to score goals. They had Vardy at the start of the season, Kalecchi and Nacho uh, the second half of the season. So maybe as a partnership, those two could kind of take up one slot. I don't know. But, um, mm. but uh, you know, I've bit, really been impressed with the Nacho the second half of the season. And uh, hopefully for Leicester, he can carry that on as, as Vardy looks to, to wind down now. Still pretty young as well, isn't he? In Ache, he obviously came from City, and uh, you know, is he twenty four, twenty five? So, you know, still right, time for you. him to to make it in the Prem for sure. No, he's a very good player, and obviously, when Leicester signed him, I think I've touched on this before that um, I've always rated him. And uh, yeah, as as form's coming to show in the in the last few few weeks, isn't it? Where he's banging some goals in. 
Um, to be fair, him after the after a game, so is he's always just so humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just he there's nothing arrogant about him. Just does his job. Brilliant pro. Yeah. No, no, he is, and um, that, that's probably what makes him and it gets a lot more credit than you know than what some other players might get because yeah, as you said, he is that humble guy. Um, yeah, I kind of kind of with you a little bit, Josh. There's not been it's been it's difficult to to name nines really, isn't it? Because there's not many that that play as particular nines as they're like you know as you said, City play and Chelsea sometimes play with a wide man through the middle. Um, Liverpool have done it at times, and obviously Firmino's not been great this season as well. Um, I'm just going to touch on a couple that uh, neither of you have mentioned. Um, I know Calvert-Lewin's been out a bit this season, but I think he's still had a solid, a very solid season. Um, very good striker, and obviously he's English as well, so that that's good when if when and if Kane is obviously out injured, um, providing that obviously, again, we don't play Sterling through the middle. Um, I also think that... Um, Mikel Antonio for uh, for West Ham's had a very good season. Um, obviously, again, it, it's there was that concern at the start of the season whether David Moyes would would be able to get the side to work well together and whether they have the players to to even mm. stay in the league. Really, that because that was a concern I thought I had at the start of the season. They they were a potential team that could have gone down, especially with a couple of the signings that they made. And I looked at that that Soufal signing at the start of the season and I thought. Wait, what? What's this about? You know, um, you know, he proved me wrong, obviously. But yeah, going back to Antonio, I think he's had a very good season. He's he's a very good player, and obviously he used to start as a winger, so he's got that pace to go in behind. But also, his hold-up play is ridiculous, and he's so good in the air as well, um, which I think obviously is important as 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 a player who plays for West Ham. We like to get the ball in the box. Um, I'm also going to touch a tiny bit on Cavani. I think he's he's also done very well for Man United this season. Um, albeit he's not played all the time, and sometimes they do play again with Martial through the middle, maybe Rashford as well or Greenwood. Um, but you know, Simon Marlowe will be happy that I'm probably giving him a mention. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Cavani's played well, um, and obviously there's talk that he might be leaving. But you know, if he, if he stays, then. You know, United have a very good striker then. He's probably guaranteed to get them 10 goals a season. So um, they would be my picks. Um, and obviously, I would obviously touch on Salah a lot, but Josh has obviously mentioned him as well because uh, he's had a very good season considering Liverpool have been pretty poor. But yeah, I think I think those are my guys. Um, I don't think there's anyone else, is there? I was just thinking maybe Danny Ings as well. I've quite liked this season. I think uh, without maybe his injury problems... Yeah, he could have kicked on with a few more goals. You know, some of the goals he scored as well have been some real class finishes, and probably will just miss out on the on the England Euro squad. Uh, but potentially, Ings, you know, could be one that might uh, might replace Kane at Spurs maybe next season. Oh God, that's a massive downgrade, isn't it? Well, it's a Spurs way, isn't it? Yeah, true. Oh, the digs, the digs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a perfect just, time to leave it there then, isn't it, for this week? <laughs> just just before we go, though, uh, our local team, Cam, Josh, Chan have gone up tonight. Uh, promoted. Uh, we massive. Chowder, chowder. Yeah, brilliant. And obviously, Maxi Hobbs is going to be very happy. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get him back on to, to have a, a champagne party for sure. Uh, Nick, I'll let you conclude this week if you want to. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, Josh. Great to have you back on again. No, it's brilliant and, to be uh, on again and I appreciate you guys having me. 
we will see you all, all guys, you guys next week for another show. Cheers, Cam. Cheers, mate. Bye.